0: Hello, and welcome to Bearskins, Bayonets and Bravery, Notes from the Guards Museum. My name is Andrew Wallace and I am the Director of the Museum. I dare say that a number of you, like me, split your year into the six months before Trooping the Colour and the six months after Trooping the Colour. It is for many of us an important highlight of the calendar. As ardent fans of Her Majesty, of course we want to celebrate her official birthday, but we also revel in seeing the outstanding performance of her personal troops on Horse Guards Parade, delivering their annual birthday present to her, the finest display they can achieve in drill and martial music. It's therefore massively disappointing to find the ceremony has been cancelled this year due to the pandemic. I thought it would be good to catch up with a friend of mine, the Garrison Saint Major, London District, to talk about this iconic parade. Yes, God's representative on earth. The man who leaps tall buildings in a single bound and catches speeding bullets in his teeth, and regularly walks on water. He is the man who orchestrates this jaw-dropping spectacle. He is the Gandalf of the ceremonial world, and he works his magic each year to pull together this complex and inspirational parade. This conversation was recorded a few days ago over the internet, as a face-to-face meeting was not possible. So please forgive me if the sound quality is occasionally a touch below standard. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to be able to say that today's guest on the podcast is none other than Warrant Officer First Class Garrison Sergeant Major, Andrew Stokes. Garrison Sergeant Major, good morning.
1: Good morning, Andrew. Uh, Delighted to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, we might as well launch straight into it. Would you be kind enough to tell the listeners a bit about who you are, which regiment you belong to, how long you've been in post, um, and how many troops you've been involved with,
1: please? Uh, yes, of course, yeah. So uh, my name is Garrison Sergeant Major. Vern Stoke. Vern's my nickname. I'm a Coldstream Guardsman, uh, currently employed as a Garrison Sergeant Major of Headquarters London District. Uh, and I, that means that I'm based in Horse Guards Building, just off Whitehall. I have an office which looks onto the famous Horse Guards Parade Ground, which is where the Queen's Birthday Parade, also known as Trooping the Colour, takes place each year to celebrate Her Majesty the Queen's official birthday. I work directly to the Major General Command in London District, who is responsible for, amongst other duties, the delivery of all state occasions on behalf of Her Majesty, and therefore the nation. I help design, prepare, rehearse and deliver these state occasions. I'm in my 32nd year of service in the British Army, my sixth year in post as a Garrison Sergeant Major, in a job which can last up to 10 to 15 years, which is very unusual in the British Army. In fact, since the Queen's reign of almost 69 years, I'm only the sixth Garrison Sergeant Major to have held this post. Uh, She's had 14 Prime Ministers serve her during that period, if that puts any context onto the matter. Uh, before being appointed as a garrison sergeant major, I had a very rewarding career serving with the Colstring Guards all over the world, ending up as the regimental sergeant major of the 1st Battalion. And I've also had the privilege to serve at the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst on three occasions, my first as an instructor and my last as a senior soldier there, the Academy Sergeant Major. Prior to assuming this post, I'd only ever taken part in three birthday parades, and so the learning curve to get the requisite knowledge was initially quite challenging. However, now having had six years continuous of preparing all the soldiers and all the officers for this event, I now feel that like I know pretty much every detail of all aspects, but I never ever forget that there is only one real subject matter expert on horse grass breakground, and that is in fact Her Majesty the Queen, who has seen far more than anybody else in attendance.
0: As most people will know, the troop as we have come to know and love it won't be happening in that form this year. That's pretty rare, isn't it? Well,
1: it is, Andrew. Yeah, it's, it's, it is indeed very rare for the birthday parade to be cancelled. Uh, but I am delighted to inform you that even with the restrictions imposed by COVID-19 pandemic, the celebration will still go ahead this year. It's going to be different, though, uh, instead in a format that complies with the government's advice on social distancing during the pandemic. It is very modest in comparison to a normal birthday parade, but nonetheless, it will still test the Guardsmen and the musicians while celebrating Her Majesty's official birthday and projecting the United Kingdom's reputation for excellence across the globe. Her Majesty is unable to attend Horse Guards Playground this year, so instead, the Household Division is taking the parade to Her Majesty in Windsor Castle, just like it has done on two other occasions for Queen Victoria in 1889 and in 1895. So 125 years later, the birthday celebrations returned to Windsor Castle. In recent history, the parade has been canceled only a number of occasions. In 1910, uh, it was canceled for the nation to mourn King Edward VII, and in 1911, whilst the preparations were ongoing for the coronation of King George V, It was also canceled for the duration of both World Wars. Uh, Post-Second World War, it was canceled for poor weather in 1948, The 2nd Battalion Scots Guards were due to troop their colour uh, on that parade and Regimental Sergeant Major Fraser was incredibly disappointed to have missed his chance to draw his sword on parade. Although he was delighted when the troop block was rearranged the following year uh, in 1949, so he was still the Regimental Sergeant Major and therefore he had his chance. It was also cancelled in 1955 uh, for a rail strike, so you can see Andrew, it is in extreme circumstances only that the parade is cancelled. And therefore, this year, you won't see the droop in the colour as you know it. But if you tune into BBC Live uh, on Saturday the 13th or afterwards on the iPlayer, you will see a celebration in Windsor of the official birthday of Her Majesty the Queen. And that's going to be called the turnout of the Windsor Castle Guard.
0: Well, I think it's fantastic that rather like Amazon, the uh, House of Division do home deliveries. That's, uh, <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> How do you design Ceremonial that looks uh, dignified and impressive, yet still meets the, uh, the current COVID guidelines?
1: That's a, that's a really good question. Uh, and it's a, it's a huge challenge because um, scale helps to create effect. And of course, with government guidelines, this is hard to achieve. So we, we have used a combination of pragmatism, relevance and precedence to compromise and accepted that it just isn't possible to conduct state seminar events on the scale that we are used to, but we can still deliver them to the highest standard and they can also be an accurate representation of what we would normally conduct.
0: What would be the biggest challenges for the uh, the soldiers and the musicians um, with with these changes?
1: Well, with with fewer people on parade uh, and more space between each soldier, then each individual is likely to be exposed and scrutinised more. Uh, There is no hiding place. Uh, Well, there never is. And only the highest standard is acceptable. Uh, But more space in between individuals means that there is also no room for errors. And so the soldier has to really concentrate on their own personal drill, their reaction to orders, their dressing, their social distancing, far more than they would normally. Uh, This is a particular challenge for some, as it means 100% concentration for a considerable amount of time.
0: The event you designed, is it a Royal Salute, an extension to changing the Guard, a Guard of Honour, or something completely new?
1: Um, It's a hybrid, actually. So it's created on a whiteboard, trying to piece together and understand the implication of including certain serials, and thus returning to the drawing board on many occasions. The parade has utility. In essence, it is a turnout of the Windsor Castle Guard, soldiers that are already on duty, protecting the Sovereign with some additional serials that you would normally see during the Queen's birthday parade on the Horse Guards Parade, For example, the mass bands from across the foot guards will still conduct their troupe in slow and in quick time, which means that La Huguenot, an annual tune and favoured by the Queen, will still be played. The band gets the opportunity to play in quick time also, and this year's tune carefully selected as it represents a, a birthday gift to Her Majesty from the bands is called Triple Crown in which the band will also conduct a spin wheel. A difficult manoeuvre to master, Uh, the Guard, also has the opportunity to treat their colour, a tradition with strong links to regimental identity and synonymous with battlefield activity in a bygone era.
0: So what new drill movements have you created and what will be the purpose of those and what relevance do the names and terms have?
1: Um, Well, we have adopted a number of, of drill movements to comply with social distancing, The viewer will note that the band will still conduct a spin wheel, but it is likely to look less chaotic than usual because of the need to distance. The chaos is a piece of its magic, musicians facing all manners of directions to come together at the last moment in a completely different direction, but yet still in a band order that supports the brass instruments at the front of the band. We have adopted a movement called feathering uh, and made amends so that it complies with Distancing. To move a band in a confined space they would usually counter-march to change direction but this is not possible under COVID restrictions and therefore we have used a feathering technique, so called because aerially it resembles the Prince of Wales's feathers, uh, which is rather apt considering it is the large guard on Parade and their colonel is the Prince of Wales. Using the adopted method uh, allows the band to turn 180 degrees and maintain individual distances. Um, In addition, the the colour being trooped through the ranks has become synonymous with the Queen's birthday parade and so during this celebration it was very important to try and include this. We have been able to do so by adapting a normal procedure and increasing space between the ranks. Unfortunately, we were not able to invent a solution for the colour to be handed over by the regimental Sergeant Major to the Enzyme without breaking the social distancing rules. However, the Sergeant Major will still draw his sword on parade and accompany the escort Party as a colourist troop, symbolic of him drawing his arms to protect the colour.
0: Will these changes be adopted elsewhere in the army?
1: I, I think it's likely, Andrew, um, as abnormality slowly drifts back to normality, that some of these measures will be adopted elsewhere. Perhaps maybe at Sandhurst during the Sovereign's Parade, where much of the Queen's Birthday Parade is emulated. And of course, we will draw lessons learned after the event to design future state ceremonial events that we are uh, tasked to deliver.
0: Uh, Will other nations be looking to emulate what the Household Division is pioneering here?
1: I I think so. Uh, The Queen's Birthday Parade always attracts a lot of overseas interest. And given the lack of ceremonial events and celebrations during the pandemic, other nations will be looking towards Britain to see how we mark such a special national occasion. Now, as the
0: nation is pretty much starved of ceremonial at the moment. Does this event hint at uh, an imminent return to ceremonial? How different will that look and what might be the drawbacks?
1: Uh, Not necessarily. From our perspective, we would be delighted if we could return to business as usual. But are ever mindful that the country and wider are still locked into battle with the pandemic and compliance with tackling those control measures will always be prioritised first. The very nature of ceremonial activity and the emotions that it stirs means that it it will always draw a crowd, and that is the biggest hurdle to tackle. So whilst we will demonstrate that we can deliver world-class ceremonial activity on Saturday the 13th of June, there is always the safety of members of the public to consider first.
0: Well, that's understandable. As we are recording this, and I'm looking out of my office window onto Birdcage Walk, Even though it's far too early, there are still tourists hanging on the railings, looking at an empty parade ground. It's uh, it's quite sad, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: How does uh, delivering this event illustrate the adaptability of the army?
1: Well, many of the soldiers and musicians on parade uh, were just a few weeks ago on the front line in the government's response to the pandemic. The Welsh Guards, for example, have been incredibly busy running mobile testing centres across London. The musicians were either on standby to support other requests from the civil authorities or providing clerical support to the military headquarters in London, supporting the response.
0: This is revolutionary and historic. What does it mean to you to know that it's your name and your actions that will be remembered?
1: The army teaches individuals many skills, but I think one of the most important is teamwork. And this celebration is a marvellous display of that a collaboration of ideas and new thinking to celebrate the leadership of the Sovereign on her official birthday. History, I'm sure, will dictate that it is Her Majesty the Queen that will be remembered for her strength and guidance during these difficult times. The Household Division are just delighted to be able to facilitate this. One thing is for sure, though, it will be a very proud moment for all soldiers on parade.
0: Garrison, have you got any interesting facts about the troop going back over the years?
1: Well, let's have a think. I mean, there's there's quite a lot, actually, uh, but I'll try and uh, pick out a few. Um, I mentioned before that Her Majesty the Queen is a subject matter expert on parade. Well, that's very well founded, as this year will be the 68th time that the Queen has taken the salute from her household troops. The parade was held on Thursdays, actually, between the years of uh, 1938 and 1958, but after increasing pressure on London traffic with road closures and disruption, since 1959, it has been held on a Saturday, usually the second Saturday in June, but before then it was held on London days. Um, after the First World War in 1919, the Prime Minister Lloyd George promised the returning combatants that he would create a nation fit for heroes, and so the largest troop ever witnessed took place. Horse Guards Parade Ground, still had temporary structures built there as administration buildings and overspill from the old war office and horse guards building and so the parade took place in Hyde Park. The guards tunics were still in storage, bearskin caps were sealed in metal containers to prevent moth damage and so it was held in khaki battle dress, the same uniform that was fought in the year before. Uh, there's, a f- there's a few more um, that I can think of. Uh, the Duke of Edinburgh when riding on parade for the first time after the accession of the Queen in 1952 was riding a particularly obstinate charger and reportedly bent his, his field marshal's baton whilst attempting to get the horse to focus. <laughs> um, still thinking, that the parade has marked national silences on several occasions. In 1972, two weeks after the death of the abdicated King Edward VIII, the parade marked a poignant silence which began and ended with an eerie drum roll followed by a pipe of lament. And then in 1982, the nation was at war with Argentina in the Falkland Islands, and the sacrifice was again acknowledged by the parade, beginning with the silence. The Blues and Royals, Scots Guards and Welsh Guards were all deployed. In fact, the Welsh Guards had been on board the Royal Fleet Auxiliary Ship, Sir Galahad, just a few days earlier when it was attacked by the Argentine Air Force, and 48 service personnel had been killed, 32 of them Welsh Guards. The most recent silence, though... Um, held on the birthday parade was in 2017, and that was to remember the awful loss of life in the Grenfell Tower disaster in London when 72 residents perished in the fire just three days before the parade.
0: I happen to know that um, there is a certain museum who was approached to dig the duke of edinburgh out of uh, the mire by loaning the uh, the palace uh, field marshal's baton while his one went into workshops at garards to be uh, to be repaired
1: uh, so it is true then
0: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> now for anyone uh, who is missing their fix of grand british ceremonial let's have a look at the ceremony itself where did it all start and what's the purpose of it
1: Gosh, well, well, there's there's a whole raft of references. Many go back to Tudor and Elizabethan times. Um, the tilt yard on the Whitehall side of Horse Guards, for example, was a location for jousting competitions to celebrate the birthday of Henry VIII, and then later reintroduced by Queen Elizabeth I. Henry VIII was born in June. However, Queen Elizabeth I was born in November and so June became the the norm for celebrations of Sovereign's birthdays when the weather was guaranteed to be that little bit warmer. The parade we see annually has been a regular feature since the 18th century. The first one documented uh, to be held for King George II in 1748, but it was only from 1805 for King George III that they were ceremonially performed by Horst parade ground, although in a completely different format and at a time when the royal family were less public-facing. The salute-taker would have usually been the commander-in-chief of the army, and not necessarily the monarch. That changed in 1912, when King George V succeeded to to the throne. He modernised the parade, proving to be the catalyst for improvements that would shape it as a more logical event that more closely and visibly bonded him with his troops. A similar format we have seen since, he was the first monarch to lead his household troops from Horsegrass Parade Ground, to Buckingham Palace at the completion of the parade, and that custom still survives today. All elements of the parade have been built on utility. For example, the exacting drill manoeuvres that each guard uses to change direction at each colour point on the parade ground is derived from battlefield manoeuvres used in a peninsula campaign. And when watching from the front, it is mesmerising to see the guardsmen coming into line and therefore into view at the last moment providing them with camouflage, protection and deception. The colour being troops through the ranks is symbolic of acts carried out prior to battle in times gone by. Each soldier given the opportunity to identify the colour at close range, so that there was no confusion which colour to rally to when it would be needed as a rallying point during the ensuing battle. The colour was sacred in their symbolism of the spirits, history and traditions of the regiment, are handled with with reverence, parading them through the ranks. Trooping the colour is therefore much more than an arcane ceremony, it is the restatement of the loyalty, the courage and the sacrifice of the regiment and its members throughout their history. Even the inspection phase is a replica of activity before a battle, where the commander would parade in front of his soldiers to boost morale, issue words of encouragement and demonstrate leadership. And all of this delivered by the household division and household troops. It is a very practical demonstration of the close bond between the sovereign and her troops.
0: I know that in my regiment, which was the Honourable Artillery Company, towards the end of my time there, I was honoured to command the Company of Pikeman Musketeers, which was a ceremonial bodyguard based around the time of Charles I. And we used to carry out a ceremony called Lodging the Colour. So when, in that era a regiment took to the uh, the battlefield. The night before, when they went into the nearest town to garrison the troops, they would actually troop the colour through the ranks to show every person in that regiment what the flag looked like up close and personal. Yeah. They would then lodge the flag above the nearest pub where the officers were staying, and they were told to report back to that pub, look for that flag the following morning prior to the battle. So it had a very practical demonstration of trooping the colour through the ranks so each soldier can see who they were fighting for and uh, how to identify the rallying point uh, in battle.
1: So, so not just a rallying point in battle, but also a rallying point in the pub, which is quite useful. Oh,
0: well, absolutely. <laughs> Gas. what would you say is the hardest part of the ceremony?
1: That's a good question, Andrew. Um, and it is difficult to single out any one event. Um, I'll start to answer by putting the birthday parade into context, if I may. The parade has to be world-class, there is no other standard acceptable. It is watched with a keen eye by Her Majesty the Queen in front of a live audience. 7,000 members of the public, veterans, overseas defence attachés, heads of armies and defences, politicians and prime ministers. It's watched live globally, including in every British embassy, And at home to an audience of between three and four million viewers. There are many challenges, Uh, the soldiers on parade are also operational soldiers and so the first challenge is to create the available time for them to train and focus on the birthday parade. Another challenge is getting to the correct standard at exactly the right moment, finding the correct balance in the training program leading to the event. You don't want to peak too early Uh, and not being up to standard is simply not an option. Logistically, it's also difficult to get everyone together to rehearse. There are several different units on parade from different locations. The numbers of soldiers involved also requires a large enough space to rehearse, and there's only a couple of sites in the southeast of England that are suitable. One of my earlier troops, uh, as a guardsman, I recall rehearsing, advancing in line, on the runway of Kenley Aerodrome in South London, uh, that was a that was a long day and, a, and an experience. But I suppose I, <laughs> but I, I suppose one of the hardest parts of the ceremony really is learning the words of commands. Uh, that's not easy because there are many of them, and I am sure that the field officer and brigade waiting would agree with me on that point. Uh, but every officer, trooper, guardsman, or gunner has their own part to play, all creating an element of the finished product. My job is to knit all of these individual components together so that it resembles a seamless piece of theatre. The music, the horse drawn guns, the mounted sovereign's escorts and the guards, all combining to create a suitable tribute to the sovereign. All of this delivered under the pressure of exacting standards, watchful and expert eyes and the constraints of time. The parade is time to the second and that in itself creates pressure. And so I think the most critical part of the ceremony is the choreography.
0: We see the guardsmen and musicians on parade, but there's a whole phalanx of folk that make this ceremony happen behind the scenes, aren't there?
1: Indeed there are, And, and it isn't just the soldiers you see on parade. Other military support includes medics and doctors, veterinarian support, communications experts, drivers, chefs, security, staff officers, photographers, military media, Guardsmen and musicians selling programs and ushering spectators, and the list goes on for the military. But the military is not in isolation in delivering this. We are blessed to be supported by the Metropolitan Police, their search teams, working dogs, royalty and specialist protection group, parks police, mounted police, the Ministry of Defence Police, British Transport Police, and a whole raft of other forces. St John's Ambulance, support the public should there be any, anyone fallen well. The Royal Parks, in particular St James's Park, are brilliant in preparing the parade grounds, watering down and raking the gravel, laying sands on, sand on the hard surfaces for the horses to grip, cleaning up after the horses, uh, making the park and in particular Queen's Gardens surrounding the Queen Victoria Memorial look splendid and in full bloom. The, the Royal Household and the Royal Muse are key to the coordination of complex movements of members of the Royal Family. Speaker, the ticketing company that we have recently employed, are instrumental in ensuring the seamless entry into the parade ground for members of the public. And the BBC events team and the commentators are absolutely brilliant. Uh, we, we work very closely with them on all sorts of events, and they really do the hard yards when pulling together the information required for the broadcast and always deliver an excellent production. So the day would be impossible to work in isolation, and we are always very grateful for the enduring support of those that help.
0: Now, you and I both know that our Sovereign Lady, Queen Elizabeth, has attended more of these ceremonies than anybody else. 68, I think you said. Uh, Can you tell us um, just how keen her eye is?
1: Well, yep, you're right, Andrew. 2020, 2020 will be Her Majesty's. 68th Parade as a salute taker, uh, she was present in 1951 and took the salute as Princess Elizabeth uh, as Colonel of the Grenadier Guards in lieu of her father King George VI who was ill at the time. Um, with all that experience there is nothing that Her Majesty misses and feedback is almost instant. On her retirement to Buckingham Palace after the Parade, the Major General and the Brigade Major join her for a reception prior to the flight past of the Royal Air Force. The general impression is ascertained there. However, further points, both good and bad, uh, may well follow up with a letter from the private secretary. Our job is to make sure that the points are always complimentary. They have been so far, and I wouldn't tell you if they weren't, uh, but I am in (laughs) no no doubt that advice, if needed, uh, would certainly be forthcoming. Uh, Her Majesty writes to the Major General after the parade, and this is disseminated to all those who were involved, which is in itself a wonderful
0: touch. You could say that 2020 is is the year, but also describes her eyesight because she really does miss nothing. And uh, I'm always interested to see her leaning forward in the carriage as uh, she goes along the line with almost hawk-like eyesight, examining everything. It's, It's great to see.
1: You're absolutely right, Andrew.
0: Now, those who watch on television won't know this, but there's uh, a particularly earnest round of applause given to the gallant band of colour points who are the last to vacate horse guards. Can you tell us a bit about the purpose of these men and how they're selected?
1: Uh, yes, I can. Yeah, so A, a colour point is, is manned by a senior sergeant, usually selected for his experience and stoicism, who carries a company colour onto the parade ground. They are the first to depart Wellington Barracks, and they report to me, the garrison sergeant major, at 10 hundred hours under the arch of horse guards. Uh, That's just when members of the public are taking their seats, and then I place them out onto their positions, and they're going to be routed to their spots for over the next two and a half hours. They are key to the parade. They provide reference points for the markers of the guards to aim for at wheeling points, uh, when in use at specific time, they will raise their colour to assist markers that aim for them. Uh, they also provide useful reference points for the captains of the guards to know when to give salutes to the sovereign, and because they then can't look behind when to order their eyes front. They are on parade the longest, and have a difficult job remaining alert for that amount of time. But the real skill, and they will all tell you this, of course, is the ability to march off parade at the end without having locked up their muscles and joints. They always get a rousing appreciation from the public who often recognise that they have been on parade, standing still for the longest amount of time.
0: They are indeed a breed apart, and that round of applause is usually a standing ovation as they, uh, as they finally depart horse guards, and well-deserved as well.
1: It's not a very popular duty.
0: No. <laughs> One of the most stirring aspects of the ceremony is the music. Can you tell us how the music's chosen and a little bit about the bands?
1: Sure. The the music selection is a responsibility of the director of music of the regimental band whose regiment is Troop in their colour in that particular year. An awful lot of work is involved in either selecting pieces of music or composing bespoke pieces. As well as being musically appropriate for the regiment, music is also selected for its narrative, a consideration is also given as to when the music was last played on the parade, if it ever was at all. In February each year in the Guards Chapel, a panel is formed, chaired by the Major-General and consisting of a senior member of the Regiment Trooping, the Brigade Major, the Senior Director of Music, now called Commanding Officer of House of Division Bands, and myself, the Garrison Sergeant Major. The Regimental Band performs selections of music in time to video footage on a large screen. Each piece is considered on its merit, its narrative, relevance and the utility for that particular part of the parade. And as a Garrison Sergeant Major I can be very particular in advising the Major-General if the music doesn't quite match up to what is expected of the Guards at that particular time and any risk to the parade is rarely accepted, regardless how compelling the piece of music or the narrative. Some particular memorable pieces that have been selected were, uh, in 2017, a, a tune called Messine Ridge, selected to commemorate the centenary of that battle, almost 100 years to the day. A really, it was a really stern piece of music, used for the band's quick troop, which culminated in the pipes uh, and drums of the Irish Guards and the Scots Guards. The year before, um, in 2016, and these are tunes that really stick in my mind, uh, was a tune called Royal Birthday, um, and that was selected for the same part of the parade. So when, when the band does its quick troop, which I personally think is that the, the, the Household Division bands delivering a present to Her Majesty the Queen, a really thought-after piece of music, really stirring. But this tune in 2016 called World Birthday, it had a very obscure reference to the tune Happy Birthday. Um, and this was, of course, the year of Her Majesty's 90th birthday and standing very closely by, I could hear her mention her appreciation to the Duke of Edinburgh, sat next to her on the dais, which was a nice touch. Last year, in 2019, Lance Sergeant Shepherd made history in composing a tune that was to be used on the parade that he was taking part in and was able to hear his composition, which was called Twice the Man, a Grenadier Guards heavy referenced piece being played in front of the Queen by the mass bands of the foot guards, a remarkable feat, uh, by him and also a great piece of music over recent years and music has been recorded uh, and and is available to download online and this year is no exception and you can find it from a link from the household division website so just google household division or type in householddivision.org.uk you'll find a music tab and you can download it from there
0: well i know that uh, the march twice the man uh, the one that shep wrote really was an outstanding piece and you can always tell just how successful it is when you actually hear the guardsmen whistling it as they're coming off parade that one really hit the uh hit the target yeah well done then. absolutely we usually have musicians on parade but we also have the mass chorus of drums and occasionally we have maps mass pipes and drums other than the obvious fact that they play different instruments can you explain to the listeners Uh, the difference between musicians and drummers and pipers
1: our bands are world-class professionally trained musicians after a very initial training period learning the very basics of soldiering um, after which they are developed into excellent musicians by a team of dedicated academics and military instructors at the army's home of music in Neller Hall in London all musicians join the army with a previous musical background or qualification The core of drums and the pipes and drums, however, that you see on parade, are different in that they are first and foremost infantry soldiers belonging to their parent battalions they provide a specialist role within the battalion, usually the machine gun platoon or the assault pioneer platoon. So as well as being highly effective and proficient infantry soldiers, they are volunteers and after volunteering to join their tunes, they uh, would have undertook specialist music training at either the Army School of Ceremonial to learn about drumming, the bugle and the flute, or indeed the Highland School of Bagpipe Music and Highland Drumming for the pipes.
0: Now, there's a, a very old saying that says, you can always tell a gunner, but you usually have to shout. Can you talk about the involvement of King's Troop Royal Horse Artillery in this quintessentially guards ceremony?
1: Yeah, Um Although the King's Troop, the Royal Horse Artillery, are not part of the Household Division, their unique link with the monarch, their name gives anyway, classes them as household troops. Gunners can trace a heritage of gun salutes back to 1670, when the Duke of Cumberland, in his position as a constable of Windsor Castle, signed an order releasing powder for the discharging of 13 great guns upon St George's Day. And today, this practice continues in accordance with Queen's regulations. Although they have always supported the birthday parade with their customary gun salute from Green Park on this occasion, which used to happen at 1100 hours, it was only since 1998 that they have been invited to ride on the household divisions Queen's birthday parade and they now fire after the birthday parade has finished and whilst the guard change at Buckingham Palace occurs at 12.52. Because the team of horses pull their 13-pounder guns, which symbolically act as colours, the precedent that this gives the Royal Horse Artillery prominence over all regiments is still respected, and they pass the Queen first in the mounted walk and their trot past.
0: Other than terrifying the 1,500 troops on parade by your very presence, can you talk to us uh, about your role on the day itself?
1: Uh, yeah. so The, uh, the day itself is, is a really early start. Horse Girls Parade Ground needs a lot of work. The Royal Parks will be busy watering down and raking the gravel so that it resembles a billiard table by the time the gates open to the public. There are marker stones that need to be uncovered, briefings and rehearsals to be done with stretch bearers, programme sellers, tea party that moves up the Queen's dais, the security detail and a whole lengthy checklist of inspections to complete. But by the time of the parade itself, the majority of my hard work in preparing the troops over the last eight weeks has been done and it is now up to those on parade, so I've kind of handed it over. Uh, I am in attendance not far from Her Majesty the Queen where I monitor the event uh, and I am prepared to react to any unforeseen events if necessary. But one of my key concerns is to monitor the timings during the parade. Um, I give some key signals for some of those in command positions on the parade ground, for example, for the band to cut out to allow the change from slow to quick time, as this movement happens behind the band. And without turning about, they would not be able to see uh, when this should happen. And there are a whole raft of other key signals that I give, but without wishing to give too much away about the mystique of the parade, I think I I might just stop there. At the end of the parade, there's also a sequence departure that allows members of the royal family to travel a longer route to Buckingham Palace to arrive and then be on the balcony to greet Her Majesty as she enters the palace. Uh, that's, this also allows the king's troops to depart and get to their firing location in time, and also to check with the police that the route is clear to proceed. And so I have to reposition at the very end of the parade to coordinate that. Once all that, all is clear there, I can then signal the field officers brigade waiting, and then the foot guards can then depart with Her Majesty at the head of the column and return to Buckingham Palace. But after the parade, um, after the parade, I remain at Buckingham Palace. So once the guard change is complete, the gun salute, the fly past, the band is dispersed, the guard is taken up his duty, the king's troop have returned to barracks, and members of the public have dispersed. I remain out until, until all that has happened, so that I'm the last man back into Walter Barracks, where I report to the duty marshal uh, in Walter Barracks that they're all troops are back back in barracks and accounted for.
0: Now, it's uh, a bit of an old chestnut, but can you explain why excellence in drill is still important in this technological age?
1: Yeah, it's a tricky question. Uh, I've got 32 years of experience in the Army, uh, and in which time I have been on operations all over the world and often in hostile environments. There are so many skills that are interchangeable between drill so manual activity and operations. Drill provides a framework for confidence and teamwork. It's underpinned by discipline and self-discipline, key skills to have in an effective fighting force which is lawful and accountable. The attention to detail it takes to prepare your kit, equipment, your horse if you're a trooper or gun if you're a gunner for a state occasion is transferable to the kit checks and preparations you would carry out before air patrol, Ensuring your team is briefed fully, actions on unforeseen events, discussed and well-rehearsed, all kit inspected, routes planned. It's all the same principles. On parade, it's very similar. Well-trained, a thorough understanding of the plan, the timings, what comes next, what to do as things go wrong. Discipline and confidence gives you this assurance. Always working as a team. Some might say that the custom of, of doing things properly could be misinterpreted to lead to rigidity in approach and lack of initiative. The household division way is to use its primary qualities to underpin adaptability, imagination, and an adventurous spirit. Attributes taught and learned on the battlefield are very much in demand on the drill square and vice versa.
0: I remember talking to... Uh a lad who was in the 2nd Battalion, Scots Guards, who actually fought his way up Mount Tumbledown. And I said to him, what on earth drove you on to fight uphill into a hail of machine gun fire in the rain, in the dark? And he basically said he was more terrified of Danny White, the drill sergeant, coming up behind behind him up the mountain than he was of the Argentinians. So it was safer to go forward than not sadly Danny White lost his life in that fight um, a great yeah. loss he was uh, he was a great man and I, I remember doing an attachment with the 2nd Battalion Scots Guards and he always had his party piece of singing The Dark Isle uh, wonderful baritone yeah. voice he had great man <laughs> how do you start planning uh, a parade like this and when do you get involved
1: uh, well I, I get involved as early as possible uh, the brigade major and I will brief the officers and the warrant officers as early as January on what is expected and suggestions on how to prepare their units to be ready for collective training which we'll bring together in May. Uh, There's a huge amount of detail to be worked through between January and May for, for the units that are involved. We always brief from the perspective that no one has done a trooping of the colour before Whereas some some might have done so, it would be relatively unusual for them to be in the same position of responsibility previously. Soldiers and officers promote, they get posted away, new soldiers join, and new units rotate in and out of London District, and so might not have taken part in many years. The units will go away and do their own estimates, and by March, April, we are already talking about music selection, media inserts, uh, and the training programme. Officers are reading into their words of command that they must remember, and sergeant majors and corporal majors uh, are conducting specific training. In May, I will bring all of the elements of the parade uh, and piece them together, and by the last weekend in May, the birthday parade is ready to be tested in front of the keen eye of the Major General and members of the public.
0: Now, the guy in charge on the day is called the Field Officer and Brigade Waiting, How many words of command does he have to remember?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, a lot. Um, There's a huge amount of pressure on the field officer in Brigade Waiting. He is usually the commanding officer of the battalion trooping. Um, He's got a lot to think about. As well as being in command, he has a distraction of controlling his horse, uh, which will be asked to do things that horses don't like doing. So staying alone and away from the herd, walking backwards, having its rider shout loudly. Um, the field officer brigade of waiting is also trying to recall over one hundred and forty words of command in the correct sequence, and often facing away from his troops, so he doesn't even have the reassurance of seeing if they've followed him correctly. Um, but by the day of the parade, they are always consummate professionals, and often the coolest person on parade.
0: It's a tour de force when you think about it. As you say, not even being able to actually look at the troops you're directing and have to remember that sequence of, of uh, commands, it's quite outstanding.
1: Absolutely.
0: The, the clock above horse guards, Samuel Pepys described that as the, having the Swedish chime in London. I was told they used to have a guardsman hanging off the uh, mechanism of the clock to make sure that it wouldn't chime until... Uh, she turned and faced to receive the first royal salute. Is that still the case?
1: Well, I'd heard that, that as well, but, uh, but it's a myth, I'm pleased to say. Um, the Horse Guards' Clock uh, was until the clock tower in Westminster was built in 1859 and the bell of Big Ben installed. Uh, Horse Guards' Clock was a timepiece of London, uh, and while Big Ben is being restored, it, it still is, it maintains that today. Uh, So we we rely purely on time, speed and distance to ensure that the Brigade Major leads Her Majesty to the dais as the clock strikes exactly 1100 hours. It's a work of art.
0: It makes it even more impressive knowing that. Now, security on the day is very tight. It was in 1981 that uh, a guy called Marcus Sargent fired six shots at Her Majesty uh, as she turned from the mound into Horse Guards Approach Road. It turned out to be a starting pistol, but nobody knew that at the time. Lance Corporal Alexander Galloway, Scots Guards, was streetlining that day and apprehended him. Uh, Have there been other uh, incidents such as this?
1: Uh, Well, it was well documented uh, that in 1981, the the core role of the household Division was profoundly tested. Uh, In the context of the force evolving from history... As a bodyguard to the monarch, the birthday parade uh, was formed up at the time and waiting the Queen's arrival when Marcus Sargent fired six blank shots at her from a starting revolver. Uh, the Queen, adept in the saddle, was, was shaken but unharmed, uh, though the horse did react. One of the streetliners from the 2nd Battalion Scots Guards, as you've mentioned, Glantzcourt Corporal Galloway, leapt from, uh, from the present arms to grab Sargent and brought him down before the police arrived. This act of instinctive courage underscores the purpose of the parade. The parade uh, proceeded as planned, and most spectators only discovered what had happened after the Queen had played her part and led her troops home. The next year, on the very anniversary of this attack, the 13th of June, Lance Corporal Galloway was amongst the soldiers fighting for the liberation of the Fortin Isles. But thankfully, uh, the police supporting the parade have a well-homed, an instinctive capability to react with any such instances and any such events have been rapidly dealt with or thwarted.
0: I was actually on parade that day with the Guards Depot Corps drums, and we knew nothing about it until we saw the evening news. So it was actually sealed down uh, very, very quickly. And so I doubt it, very much yeah. that. Uh, I doubt very much that uh, Corporal Galloway bought himself a pint for quite some time after that. Uh, I think everybody wanted to clap him on the back and uh, stand him around.
1: Yeah, it's incredible all around. And, and, you know, incredible that, uh, you know, he uses initiative in such a way. But as you say, even more incredible that the parade went on as planned and, you know, members of the public were unaware of what had happened.
0: Her Majesty, who always rode side saddle, she sat that incredibly well. I know Burmese was... uh, More than somewhat taken by uh, those shots being fired, but she sat it incredibly well. (laughs) Now, who organises the flypast?
1: Well, the Royal Air Force pay their own respect to the sovereign in the form of a spectacular flypast, usually of a number of sorties ranging from rotary aircraft, the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight, you know Spitfires, Hurricanes, and Lancaster bombers, and usually culminating in a finale from the Red Arrows. It is set in time. Thirteen hundred hours uh, on the second Saturday of June. It's it's definitely the Royal Air Force, and has nothing to do with me.
0: Well, we're coming towards the end of our time here. I think to close, uh, one question for you: Why do you think Great Britain has such a global reputation for producing such fantastic uh, state ceremonial?
1: Um, I, I think because everything we do has its foundations firmly rooted into our proud history of our great nation. The elaborate uniforms, the emblazoned battle honors on the colors, the drums, drum major staves, the position of the sovereign uh, as she adopts uh, at the head of the the household troops, the reverence of troop in the color. Everything has a meaning derived from custom, experience and tradition. Nothing we do is ersatz and therefore it is always relevant. Added to the fact that the Army is a volunteer force, no one is just doing their duty, it's a vocation and a way of life, it's not just a job. And when on parade, they are representing the rest of the armed forces in guarding and honouring the head of state. The meticulous preparation of uniforms, equipment, and drill, which makes state ceremony events such a spectacle, are not merely the self imposed high standards of the participants, they represent the respect, the affection, the loyalty and the pride of the whole nation.
0: Do you think the guardsmen today measure up to the guardsmen of uh, previous generations?
1: I'm I'm always delighted to see the standard of our young soldiers as they come out of training and join the units, and and I quite often draw comparisons to 32 years ago when I first joined the army. Uh, And I was nowhere near as good or well-prepared as as our young soldiers are today. They are exemplary in in everything they do.
0: I remember sitting in the stands uh, watching a Grenadier troop. And as they marched off at the end, two old Grenadiers in front of me, one turned to the other and said, not as good as in our day. And I I couldn't let it go. (laughs) I said, do you know what, guys? They're better than you are. Because... You had months longer to prepare for this parade. Spring drills used to start well beginning of March. Um and these lads, they 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 pull a rabbit out of the hat on a far tighter schedule of training. So uh they they did acknowledge the fact. Um God bless them. So there we are. Well, Garrison, thank you so much for your time. It's been a delight to talk to you. Um thank you for sharing with us your many years of experience, and your privileged and unique insight into the ceremony
1: well thank you for having me andrew it's been a real pleasure uh, and i've really enjoyed it and uh, i'm very much looking forward to activity on saturday uh, in winter castle so thank you
0: well up and down the country we'll be raising our glasses to you and to uh, the sovereign as well as the troops and the wash guards who are actually delivering or channeling for the entire nation the birthday wishes from all of us to her. So God bless you all and very best of luck. Thank you. So that's it for this week. Before closing, I would like to recommend two films for you to watch on YouTube. The first is My Boy Jack, a wonderful film starring Daniel Ratcliffe, Harry Potter as was, and David Haig. It tells the story I alluded to in the last episode, how Rudyard Kipling lost his only son in the Great War. It is naturally quite a dark story, but it's very well made and there are strong performances across the board. The second film is for those who are missing Trooping the Colour. Search on YouTube for a film called The Queen's Guard 1961. And it should bring up a film starring Raymond Massey and Daniel Massey. This film has actual footage of Trooping the Colour in the 60s and it is an outstanding snapshot of how it looked when we had a big army and tall guardsmen. Enjoy. So that's me done. I have been Andrew Wallace and this has been episode 11 of Bearskins, Bayonets and Bravery, notes from the Guards Museum. So until next week when we will look at the Great War, goodbye and God bless. Now, turn to your right and salute. Dismiss! Up! down and get away.